0: I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran.
1: And I'm Douglas Lehman.
0: Oh, and we and we <laughs> love to watch. We love to watch things this is gonna be a pretty short movie. Everything is great,
2: everything is grand. I got the whole wide world in the palm of my
1: hand. Everything is perfect, it's falling into place wipe this smile off my face life's, life's a, a happy, happy song. song and there's, there's
2: someone by my side, side to sing along
0: <laughs> when you're alone life can be a little low it makes you feel
1: <laughs> hey
2: pete like hey doug hi hi this feels hi weird. again
1: Have you guys ever seen that really old movie Groundhog Day?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so it's only Groundhog Day to us, which is, I guess, just like the movie Groundhog Day. Um, But yeah, where We Love to Watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies around that theme over the course of the month. And this week, we are in our second week of Muppets Take November, and we are covering 2011's The Muppets. And uh, a little behind-the-scenes trivia... Is it the second time we're we're recording this episode over the course of uh, a two month span? We recorded an episode in September with same guest, Douglas uh, Douglas Lehman, and uh, he had the audio track. He's going to give it to us, and uh, we were all together hiking uh, in a mountain. And you know that thing that you do sometimes when you're like, "Oh look, I got the audio track," um, and then you start like playing catch with it to yourself, joking that you're going to drop it over the mountain. Well, funny story. Sometimes uh, jokes become serious super quick if you're not being careful
1: Yeah, I I really fumbled that one real bad Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, so somewhere in the bottom of Yellowstone Some hikers are going to someday find (laughs) Douglas Lehman's audio track for the first version of this we recorded But you know who's not going to hear it? Anyone else? Just those three hikers. Yeah, now we did, Peter and I did, <laughs> Peter actually did say this, Say that if Douglas can't make a re-recording work with our date schedule, maybe just try to edit together uh, <laughs> Aaron and <laughs> Peter's original
1: tracks and see if we can make an episode out of that. Uh, well, what you, get, you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Milhouse is Fallout Boy in the Radioactive Man movie, mm-hmm. and when he goes missing, they try to like edit together footage of him to fit in the movie. You could have done that with me where it's just out of context quotes from like my past episodes. Yeah, I mean, we
2: do it, we do have other episodes. We could have you reacting to the Muppets yeah. like you did
0: Society. Well, what did you think of the movie, Doug? I loved it. The shunting was great. Yeah, the shunting was pretty good. I heartily endorse this event or product. Did you say the Muppeting? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yes, that is what I said. I said the Muppeting. That was already hard enough to do for
2: uh, spoilers for the the Night Living Dead uh, special <laughs> extravaganza where I just had to find everyone a clean high and put it in an episode and it took fucking forever. So <laughs> that was so fun. Uh, yeah, Doug is the only one that actually recorded new material for that. Uh, oh yeah, everyone else forgot. So I just Oh my god <laughs> Yeah, so I just went through their old tracks and, and put them all in after they said oh, I like after they agreed to it. They said yes, love to do it, and then no one ever
1: sent me anything. Except you, Doug. And then I was the asshole sent so you like thirty minutes of material like a week. Yeah, later, that's why like, you're you know? the only
2: one that got to do final thoughts. But anyways, let's not talk about
1: oh, it. Oh, is that what? Yeah
2: because ah! you're the only oh one that god. sent final thoughts. <laughs> I was like, why am I the only one? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, a little behind the scenes. None of that happened. Of course, everyone was there. It was a wonderful extravaganza. (laughs) If you're new to this, you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But yeah, Douglas, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about why, of all people, your love of the Muppets made us want to still do this episode with you.
1: Well, thank you, Aaron. And thank you for tolerating my technological difficulties. Um, my name is Douglas Layman. Uh, I am a writer, film critic, playwright, director, a little bit of everything uh, in Texas. And I love the Muppets so much. I just I just think they're funny. I love how they do something that I love the most in pop culture, which is they take something so silly and they make you really feel emotions about it. Like Walk Hard or the Muppets. Those are like my favorite things where you get a little bit emotionally attached to stuff that should be just silly. Uh, So I've always loved the Muppets because of that. And the Muppets 2011, one of my fave movies. I got a lot of passion for it. And I'm glad I get to talk about it again with the We Love to Watch crew. (laughs) I can say I I don't remember
2: everything about the episode we recorded two months ago, but I don't think Walk Hard was brought up. So already new material.
1: I mean, this this is a beautiful ride, us getting to do it again. It's a beautiful ride.
2: Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, but I believe you've said before on other episodes we've recorded about this movie that this is your favorite Muppet movie.
1: I would say this is tied with The Muppet Christmas Girl as my favorite Muppet movie. And I would say also it's my favorite film of 2011, yes. I
2: don't know if that's exactly what you said last time.
0: Yeah, can you um, quote for quote <laughs> just say everything you said five weeks ago? <laughs>
1: Alright. I'm a totally new person in those five weeks, Peter. I've I've changed. I saw after hours. It's been a bunch of weeks. Oh,
0: you're a new man, I understand. I'm
1: um, a wholly new person. The Russell Brand movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah of course. <laughs> Griffin Dunn, the Muppets. Well let's see if Griffin Dunn was
1: ever on the Muppets. Hold on. But it's all getting... I saw that Russell Brand Arthur movie in theaters. God, yeah, why?
2: As far as I can tell, Griffin Dunn has never been on. The Muppets So really unrelated to anything But I'm sure (laughs) Dudley Moore was on The Muppets So yeah, great start I think uh, probably added in some material from uh, last time Uh, Yeah, so uh, one thing that we want to talk about with this movie Is that I will say in 2011 Doug, you said this is your favorite movie from 2011 This was (laughs) in a year that had a lot of good movies coming out This was by far my most anticipated movie that came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. It, Jason Segel was coming off of uh, when How I Met Your Mother was still good. <laughs> it was also coming off of Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which was, I think, like, if not my... I don't know if it was my favorite movie of 2008. 2008 had a lot of good movies, but it was definitely a movie... Or maybe that came out in 2009. But I, it was 2008. It's
1: April, 2008.
2: Yeah, and I saw it in theaters, like, three or four times. Like, I absolutely loved uh, that movie, And, uh, so like the idea of Jason Segal and in all these interviews, he's kind of professing his like, no, no, no. Like I love the Muppets. I have an idea for the Muppets. Like I really want to, want to kind of bring back the Muppets that I know about. I was so excited for this movie. Uh, and in this case I feel like I was well served. So Peter, what was your like going into 2011, they have a new Muppet movie at this point. Muppets have been relegated to, like, terrible ABC movie specials. Uh, uh the Muppet was a pause. Ugh. Even their last, like, theatrical... Even though I have some affection for Muppets in, uh, from space, like, not a great movie. Uh, and even Muppet Treasure Island, it uh, which is a movie I do like quite a bit, uh, felt like a step down from Muppet Christmas Carol. So, you, at this point, you're basically, like, at best, let's say you're 15 years removed from, like, just good Muppet material... How are you how are you feeling
0: Peter 2011 what do you think about a new muppet movie I think my expectations they could have been lower because I did come into it with a, a fondness for the franchise at least and like uh some you know uh, uh phantom nostalgia sticking around that I couldn't quite put my finger on at the time uh but no, I had very little anticipation for it because the, the, we were like f- 15 years minimum divorced from like a really good Muppet movie. So, I uh, yeah, I wasn't I I wasn't particularly looking forward to it, and surprise surprise, this movie actually jump-started and recreated a lot of my love for the Muppets and like it, this movie is really what allowed me to be like uh, that like that onion shirt Uh, I appreciate Muppets on a much deeper level than you. Um, It allowed me to be an adult man who considers himself into the Muppets and like uh, makes uh, Muppet voices on occasion when I'm like reacting to events and like all all of that is because of even though I loved the Muppets as a kid and I watched Muppet Christmas Carol maybe a hundred thousand times, it was it was more because like this movie reconnected me with a part of my childhood and made it feel valid again.
2: Yeah, and it does it in such a... I mean, I think that's really the genius of this movie. We're going to get into plot and stuff like that and do a recap in a little bit. Where Jason Segal and Nicholas Stoller really got it right is understanding what makes a Muppet movie. And that goes down to like the type of like comedy on display here. That kind of like, some things are super uh, clever, some things are super sweet. That kind of like, figuring out the cadence of sweet to funny without getting too saccharine but still like um having you like a lot of uh, a lot of emotion with jokes that are funny combining that right level of like dad jokes to surreal jokes to all those sort of things and then also like just under uh understanding like how important the music is that's something that i think A lot of movies post uh, *Muppet Christmas Carol* didn't really understand. Like *Treasure Island* has a couple good songs. *Christmas Carol* has a couple good songs, but like it's not like like we just talked about the Muppet movie last week. It was like iconic opening song, and then just a bunch of songs that stick with you. And this is the same. And also, it as as we may have said last week or on the last episode, but I'm not sure. If you can open your your movie with a fucking iconic song that is going to be remembered forever, uh, you should do it. And uh, this movie – this movie did it. Uh, Muppets Take Manhattan did it with Together Again. Uh, and the Muppet movie did it. So, yeah, this is uh, – so we'll get more details about the songs. But finally, I think the other reason that this is such an interesting concept is that this is really a movie about um about making – like – A lot of people remember the Muppets from their movies, but there's a huge contingent of fans where they kind of, why there was a movie in the first place was from the Muppet show. Something that I used to, like, it was like a special treat I got to watch when I saw it on Nick at Night when I was a kid. We didn't have cable, so it was usually in hotel rooms. And this is like, okay, let's do the Muppets. Let's kind of do a version of the Muppet movie where we're getting the gang back together. But also, let's make a new episode of The Muppet Show, which they effectively do throughout the course of this movie. And I think that is a genius approach. Instead of giving them a new movie, a new adventure, where do you take these characters? What if you we actually give them, in movie form, a new version of the show that made people fall in love with them in the first place?
0: Yeah, and I think that's an interesting approach because... I was thinking about Jurassic World earlier today and how Jurassic World is simultaneously like a reboot of the original film, but also a um, also it's it's kind of combines themes from the next two movies. But it's largely just this like kind of flat, boring fan service. And like I was trying to think about what the Muppets did differently than that. And I think it's because... Um, Jurassic Park came in from a sort of Jurassic World came in from I think a cynical perspective and it said well we need to have these these totems these pieces of iconography to connect people to the past uh, or they're not going to be they're not even going to recognize this thing Uh, instead uh, this movie came in from the perspective of let's sell people on the concept of the Muppets from the top like let's let's yeah Let's not pretend like everyone is coming in and is a, is cynical about this franchise's ability to keep up and try and cover over that with, you know, I guess in the Jurassic Park one, it would be the um, sheer amount of spectacle. But in this one, it would be probably, I don't know, empty sentimentality or schmaltziness. Instead, they're like, no, 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 we're going to make you love these characters all over again or for the first time uh, and connecting people all the way back to the 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 original show is pretty nuts because like you expect them to basically just remake the first movie and they do that for like 15 minutes like it's and and they use they use jokes that subvert the original movie to basically make that that act shorter like uh like the joke where they're like (laughs) with uh ralph uh, they pick up the dog. Oh, such a good joke. It's such a good joke. They're, they pick up Ralph the dog and uh, he's like, hey, I, they're doing picking up everyone like over the course of a montage, which is, you know, basically most of the first movie was them picking up people along the road. This time they're like, they've got Ralph and, and he's like, huh? Why didn't uh, didn't you include me in the montage? And then it cuts to him, and he's just, like, it's just very boring. He's just, like, asleep at his house. (laughs) Classic me. Um, That's
2: why – that is such a great, perfect Muppet joke, because they have the funny line of, like, oh, Ralph's in the car. So you as an audience member are like, I don't remember them picking up Ralph. So then it's it's acknowledging the elephant in the room, which is – or the dog in the car. um, Uh Uh-huh by by him complaining that he wasn't part of the scene that shows where he gets there and then they do the next thing which is oh we'll show him uh we'll show we'll show the scene fine he complained about it and then the a fourth joke which is the scene is so fucking boring he's just in a hammock there was no drama it made sense to cut it and then a fifth joke where he's very satisfied that that meets the standard of Ralph entertainment for an audience like those are perfect. so many jokes
0: at once, all of them funny. And it's perfect because it also, like I said, it's it's selling you on who Ralph is as a, charac- is as a character. And it's selling you on who the Muppets are as like, a, you know, a comedic sort of entity.
1: You know, we've had a lot of these franchise reboots, restarts, whatever this decade, obviously. Um, best of the bunch, though, are easily Creed and the Muppets because exactly what you're saying, Peter. They are not afraid to pay homage and to the originals, but they are also not going to rest on their laurels. The Muppets is just as willing to pull out a brand new, awesome opening song, like Life's a Happy Song, as it is to do a Rainbow Connection rendition, and, like, that necessity of doing good quality stuff that will resonate with you, whether you're a big Muppet fan or you're just a newbie, is super duper difficult to pull off, but they do it, like, so effortlessly
0: too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not using, uh, not just cashing in on cheap iconography is really helps these movies, these these reboots um, keep their head above water.
2: Yeah, well, and they're they're bringing you like you know newer stars. Like they're not like let's go get the old guys. They're bringing you people like Jack Black and people like Mickey Rooney. And I think Mickey Rooney's very hot with the millennials. Yeah, they're like they're like, look, we need to be fresh. We need to be hip. <laughs> what if we have a probably drunk Mickey Rooney uh, just show up off a bench uh, and 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 mumble a song?
1: This is a good example, though, like because in terms of being hip, the Muppets really were trying way too hard. Like in the first decade of being owned by Disney to be hip, like the Muppet Wizard of Oz is a terrible, terrible example of the Muppets trying to be so hip. Like they have Quentin Tarantino showing up for a pointless cameo. But yeah, there's it's a this is a much better example. Of the Muppets, yeah,
2: modern, yeah, they wanted to be modern. They had modern day Mickey Rooney, not say Mickey Rooney <laughs> from Breakfast at Tiffany's. They're like oh, they're, they're like well, modern up Mickey Rooney. Don't put so, him in any racist makeup.
1: Is Mickey Rooney not racist in this? Yeah, he's not racist. Well. That's one thing we've got. (laughs) Um,
2: I mean, I don't know if he's racist in this. There's nothing that he says on screen that can
0: be, or the way he talks that can be perceived as racist. But I don't know what's in his heart, Doug. I can smell racism through celluloid, and uh, there's several racist bones in his body. His femur is just chock full of stuff. There's some some lingering, like, we all know what you did, Dodger (laughs) Hepburn.
2: (laughs) We know. You can't you can't just walk away from that, Mickey. Uh <laughs> oh, Mickey,
0: you're not so fine. You're not so fine. You're racist. You do not blow my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: hey! Hey Mickey. Mickey. Stop it. Hey. Well, why don't we we already are starting to get into the plot a little bit. I think this movie is kind of a minor miracle, and and it's so it's it is weird to talk about it in the same uh breath as like reboots of a franchise because The thing about that, which we are so accustomed to, Peter, you brought up Star Wars and stuff like that, is that reboots of a franchise really give this uh, uh, sense of scope and epicness that this movie's not really going for. Like, it's this idea of, like, we're going to bring it in bigger, better. We now have the special effects to do X, and we're going to plot a 10-movie series. And, like, like, that's, when I think of, like, Uh, reboots remakes that's that's kind of what i think of that idea of like a, a kickstart to a franchise all those do apply to this movie but those words feel very bizarre being applied to the muppets in general as well as uh muppets 2011 specifically
0: oh absolutely do we want to uh do we wanna to move towards uh to the break? Final <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> <what>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel thing. like I've talked about this movie enough between this time and the last
0: time. Uh, no, <laughs> we, we, we talked about <laughs> the moment do, do we do we wanna like call it a break and then come back hard and go through what the movie is. You are acting like this is the first time we've done this. Just I, we have a whole transition, Peter.
2: Just say are you guys ready to talk more about The Muppets.
0: (laughs) Uh, Are you guys ready to talk more about (laughs) the Muppets? Thank you. As opposed to eight (laughs) guys. (laughs) <laughs> Can we, like, take a break?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm Tex Rich Man, Mr. Texas T.
2: People call me rich cause I got my money. I got more cheddar than some supersized nachos.
0: Got cash flow like Robert has De Nero's. I use more greens than Vince and Van Gogh. I make the baker bake my bread out of dough. No, no, don't eat it though, it'll make you ill. There ain't no flour in a hundred dollar bill. He's
2: Tex Rich Man. Oh.
1: Be, yeah. the greatest. I'm the greatest. So
2: the Peter, you are stars. alternate tagline. Uh, Am I now? Sure. We have no uh. idea. We never got to listen to the other episode we did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Muppets? Meet <'em> or meet read- <laughs> <need> them? <Scrappy. laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> we doing damage. this
2: episode. Um, uh,
0: Muppets take Hollywood. You're saying words to other movies.
2: Muppet Christmas. <laughs>
0: you will believe a Muppet can fuck.
2: What? Which, which Muppet fucks
0: in this? They all. They fuck. all do. <laughs> they all do. That's all of them. Which they one all doesn't? Do. Fuck With each is other. What I would challenge you on.
2: Yeah, this is the one where uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy stop fucking. Like yeah. they <laughs> fucking other ones <laughs> on screen. They haven't fucked in a while. They're bitter. They're wearing turtlenecks. Uh, just like I—I I forget if I talked about it last week because it was months ago. But uh, much like all Muppet movies, the one thing that kind of sucks is I don't like the Kermit Piggy stuff. Uh, it's always weird. It, it somehow is the centerpiece of all these movies, and it's it's. It's a lot of Kermit being an asshole and Miss Piggy is like the one girl Muppet, which that sucks too. And her entire thing is, I love this guy and I'm going to force him to also love me
0: back the same way. I don't like it. Are you saying that these uh, these these puppets uh, don't have a healthy relationship? No, they don't. And like,
2: it's the worst. It's like fucking Transformers. It's like, here's the one that's a, that's a jet. Here's the one that's a tank. Here's the one who has a vagina. Here's
0: the one like <laughs> they throw in one girl one, and it sucks. But, they but did but that let's with be the be Miss Miss Piggy has tons of really great characterization. Like Frank Oz draws her out; he makes her a lot more than the woman. We call that the Smurfette syndrome. I think. Yeah, Smurfette is a bl- is a blank slate except for her gender. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying. No, Miss Piggy has a lot of good qualities, but like.
2: She's the she's the one girl Muppet, and, like, Kermit's kind of an asshole to her, and she likes Kermit. Like, it's, I don't know. I just, uh, well, I guess
0: we're forgetting about the chicken fucking thing. <laughs> Gonzo is constantly into chicken fucking, and it seems like it's a healthy relationship.
2: It is, uh,
0: but I guess that's the other girl, right? The chicken he fucks is a girl. Yeah, and there's Janice from The Electric Teeth. There we but- go. Uh, no, Doctor Teeth, Ooh, Electric lady. Mayhem. There him. There you go. Doctor Teeth, terrifying, teeth and the Electric Mayhem. That's what I said.
1: Doctor Teeth. Yeah, Dr. Eventually, give me the news.
2: <laughs> um, all right. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'll do a quick recap. So it starts with Jason Segal in Anytown, USA, and he's got a brother,
1: uh, Walter, who see. Uh, Aaron, we we're talking yep. about Muppets fucking. Um, Jason Siegel's parents must have fucked a Muppet. Well, no, I
2: think what this movie posits is that, like, this movie posits that the Muppets are not a—it doesn't mean that you're a felt American. Like, the Muppets is a comedy troupe made up entirely of felt Americans, but also, just like uh, other recessive genes, Um, I'm assuming the idea is that um, sometimes you can just get a felt brother—
0: yeah, and I mean as well, we know that uh puppets cannot begat puppets because they're sterilized at birth. Well, they're sterilized because they're felt. <laughs> yeah, they're sterilized when they're born.
2: Just by <laughs> by, just by the way they're, they're born, born. <laughs> they're, they're they're sterilized by God turning them
0: felt. Yeah, um, puppets are have received a punishment by God, who at least says that. You know your your growth will not be intergenerational, uh, but puppets the the Muppets found a way. Yeah, um, I guess maybe this what this movie is actually
2: implying. Going back to the Miss Piggy stuff, that like that happens with animals as well because there's there's felt animals too. They're not all people, but like some of those animals that also learn to talk and some of the people they formed a comedy troupe called the Muppets, and uh, other people felt Americans. Non felt Americans they they enjoy that comedy troops. but I'll tell you what, if that's the case, it's occurring to me that uh, it the Muppets are a little discriminatory to non felt people joining their troop.
0: Yeah, I mean, their uh, their non felt representation, their, their their flesh representation not, is uh, incredibly low. Isn't, isn't that I can't get my head
2: banged with a symbol because I have skin,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> How <Yeah>. dare you! <laughs> Can I not be launched out of a cannon and fuck a chicken immediately after? <laughs> yeah, then as like, well as no. I do. Like, no,
2: you can't <laughs> do
0: that. Don't <laughs> 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 do that. Are they doing that? Because of Yes, we are. Police. Do you they think should... that Kermit is secretly not interested in sex because neither he nor Miss Piggy have genitals? Um, but Gonzo oh, they, and they the do. do.
2: Yeah, they, oh, say, they? But they say that all the time, right? Because Miss Piggy's always like kisses like and that's it it's just kisses it's like the shape of water creature (laughs) yeah (laughs) the shape of kermit like it like flips out yeah oh he certainly flips out you know people sometimes say what movie would you like to be made in with an all muppet cast i'll say shape of water (laughs) make shape of water with an all muppet cast Okay, it's Shape of Water, but it's like a woman, a human woman that falls in love with a puppet. Yeah. And, uh, Michael Shan's character is played by the guy, Smiley, Puppet. And uh, I'm, I'm gagging the, at the thought of all that wet felt. The, the creature for the Black Lagoon in this one is an Animal.
1: Or, you know, it's Gonzo, right? it
2: has have to be. Uh, I think Animal would work, too. Just he just oh. doesn't talk at all.
1: Dry Sally woman! Hawkins! <laughs> Happy um, go, Lucky! Whew.
2: All right, uh, so <laughs> the I speak movie Russian, starts. Why are you speaking Russian, woman? <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, ah! Yeah, and Kermit definitely plays... Uh, fuck, the actor with the glasses. Richard Jenkins. No. You need someone a little bit more like... Uh, I think Gonzo's a good Richard Jenkins. I think you have Kermit play... Constance Jenkins is something that no one has ever said before. In no, I think everyone knows instinctively that, like, if you had to have this a pie sucks, flavor... but I'm going
0: to fuck that chicken behind the counter. <laughs> I keep going for the pie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look
1: tyrannosaur.
2: No. What, um, uh, who, what's, what's the, shoot, what's the fucking guy's name with glasses? Who's the Russian spy? Bunsen Honeydew. Michael Stuhlbarg? <laughs> yeah, like, that's Kermit. <laughs> Oh gee,
1: I feel very bad about. Although now that you calendar.
2: now now that you said Bunsen, it is. Pro- I don't think there's a part for Kermit in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I I think Bunsen, Bunsen Honeydew is definitely Michael Stuhlbarg. Ooh, yes, <laughs> but he but he has an assistant that is also a Russian spy that is Beaker. <laughs> Everyone's like, is that Russian? No, no, yeah. it's just how he talks. <laughs> And then, yeah, Michael Shannon uh, character is like, yeah, I knew it was Russian, not just him saying me, 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 me all the time. It was a code. Michael Shannon's like the one human, aside from Seahawks. No, I think you gotta have the guy smiley puppet, but uh, it's a Sesame Street crossover. Anyway, holy shit, Uh, so... So that's the plot of the Muppet movie. That's the plot of of a different Muppet movie that we are writing on the spot called... uh, Disney Plus, call us. (laughs) The Shape of Felt.
0: Uh, or the t- the Touch of Felt? I don't know.
1: <laughs> you got the Touch Look, of Felt. Yeah, a, a Touch of Felt is it.
0: definitely going to be directed by Peter Strickland, right? Yeah. Isn't that what his new movie is? Yeah, <laughs> a Touch of Felt. Uh, all right. So,
2: yeah, it's uh, Jason Scott's Anytown USA. And he's got a lovely girlfriend of like 20 years. Uh, and they haven't got married because of uh, his brother, Walter. Well, I don't know if that's why they haven't got married, but he is always around. She's She's got a problem with it. They sing about it. And uh, yeah, one of the most amazing opening numbers since uh, the original Muppet movie. The uh, whole town dances. They're going to L.A. and he's bringing Walter around or, or along. Uh, this is where uh, there, there's a line in that song that indicates that Walter wasn't always supposed to be his brother. Because he says, like, it's 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 my friend. You're always hanging out with your friend. I think um, I brought that
1: up in the last episode. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, last episode, which is also this episode, because no one heard last episode, Doug. <laughs> so I'm trying to get all the important stuff from our notes out again. But they all go to L.A., and Walter, being a felt American, always felt a connection to the Muppets. And so he's just excited to go to Muppet Studio. When they go to Muppet Studio, uh, which is the first thing they do right off the bus in L.A., they uh Walter hangs back for a second. Chris Cooper and the uh, what's that one the um what's the evil muppet's name? Uncle Deadly. Uh, Deadly Whiplash. Yeah, he uh him Chris Cooper who's an oil man. And the bear are like we're going to buy the muppet studio cuz no one goes to this fucking place anymore and because there's oil under its sea. And so Walter's like we got to do something to stop them so they go to Kermit's estate. They find Kermit and Kermit's like, what are we going to do? The Muppets broke up. And uh, Walter pleads with him about how much the wa- the Muppets meant to him. They are like, great, we'll get the rest of the band back together. So they do a, mo- a montage, as we mentioned, to get everyone back together, um, which they do, except for Miss Piggy, who is working at the Devil's Wear Prada uh, place in France. <laughs> I don't think the original Devil's Wear Prada, I think that's in New York, but that's basically where she's working. Uh, And she's like, no, I'm done with this. So they get the Muppet. They get the Muppet Miss Piggy, which is where Fozzie was working, which is a fake evil Muppets that does, like, evil parody. So anyway, so they're like, here's how we're going to raise the money. We're going to put a show on. And they meet Rashida Jones, who's like, you can't put a show on. no, No one cares about the Muppets. But because a TV show is canceled... Uh, punch teacher. They're like, fine, try to put it together. They eventually get Miss Piggy back. They kidnap Jack Black to be the host. They put on a big fundraiser uh, while Chris Cooper tries to stop them. Um, and they try to get really close to raising the money. They don't do it. But at the end of the day, they punch Chris Cooper. And he is like, oh, I'm nice now. And he gives the Muppet Studio back. And everyone celebrates and... Jason Seagal learns to listen to Amy Adams, and Walter gets to join the Muppets after he uh, shows his talent. Um, so that's the Muppets from 2011. I'm going to go put my cat away. Why don't you guys give some
1: general some thoughts or something? I'll be right back. All right, so I got to see this opening day in theaters. And it was so much fun to see a Muppet movie on the big screen.
0: Um, I saw it in theaters, too. That's a very, it was a very intense and weird experience because I was... Uh probably the last time i had seen one i was probably like four years old it's it's very interesting right like it's
1: coming back to us Anywho, around uh the muppets is just really it's a great example of well made entertainment as uh, broad and simplistic as that sounds it's just really fun to watch the comedy as we were talking about earlier works on multiple levels everyone's just so passionate at the goal of like getting these characters revived again and it comes through on screen super duper well And uh, I think the best part about it is just how well it merges uh, the comedy and the music. We were talking earlier about how, like, the Muppet movies have great music in their best moments. And the Muppets? Oh, the 2011 one has the best soundtrack, I think, of anything that isn't the Muppet movie. Um, Like, there's not a dud song in here. Life's a Happy Song, Man or Muppet, Me Party. Uh, There's just so much good stuff in here.
2: Yeah, I am so. I am a little surprised that um so if you didn't know Brett McKenzie wrote the the music and the lyrics for this. They very much sound like Flight of the Concord's songs. Right. He w- he won the Academy Award for uh for Manner Muppet. And I don't know I, I don't know if you guys were as big of Flight of Concord's fans in 2011 as I was. But I The idea it. that fucking half of the Flight of the Concord's had an Academy Award was amazing to me.
0: Yeah, I uh I wasn't much of a I wasn't, and still am not much of a Flight of the Concords guy. I'm not like a, um, I'm not generally like a music comedy guy much. Um, like funny songs aren't generally my thing. Like, I, I like songs that have some jokes in it, but, uh, the difference between Flight of the Concords and most uh, of, uh... I mean, outside the context of movies. I like in movies when, you know, there's, like, visuals paired with a funny song and, and such, but just, like, songs on their own. Um, not I, I don't really listen to music like that. L- that
2: Literally, the only band you've ever recommended to me, band is a very loose term, is essentially a giant joke.
0: Neil Sissierica? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but <laughs> it's oh, also sincerely good. Yeah, he's
2: great, but... It is a like it is a different kind of funny, but it is like a uh, an album that needs a spoiler warning so it doesn't ruin all the jokes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking about like all of the bad uh, stand up comedians with guitar music that was produced between like 1998
2: and now. Well, did you watch their like HBO show?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I liked I liked the show, and uh, I I like the both of them quite a bit. Like I'm a big What We Do in the Shadows fan, and and such. But um, but the but the point is that like I'm not a big Flight of the Concords guy, but like I loved them as like figures, and I loved them in other movies, and I, and I loved seeing them in interviews and such. Like their whole their whole shtick, their whole thing, I found very entertaining, even though. Uh I would pretty much never put the records on just by itself.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny because this was the Oscars too where um Jim Rash won one for writing the descendants. So for me is like at that point community was like a little secret show that not many people knew of and play, the Concords was this thing. So it was a weird Academy Awards for like all of my favorite people that no one knew who they were winning Oscars for for things that were a little bit
0: outside of what they were known for. Yeah, and this was a few. Year, this was years after Crash, right? And then it was years before Green, um, uh, Green Book. So, there, like, what? <laughs> there are years. There are I mean... years be- that where it feels like the Oscars are getting it. Yeah, I see. Where, I see
2: where you're getting at. I'm yeah, like, yeah, hey, I history. was just, yes, wondering what we're yes, that, with seconds, that too. Aaron. Yeah, that's true, Peter. The, there
0: was paths before. <laughs> <There> was, <laughs> I'm saying the after. Oscars being lame, white, uncool award ceremony uh, is occasionally broken up by cool years where, like, uh, like the year Get Out and Shape of Water just kind of kind of just the picked were, up were awards. we Jim
2: Rash, and the movie we talk about all the time, The Artist, won Best
0: Picture you know what though i much prefer like the cute little movie the artist to seen, like it's I've a movie no one artist. will ever give a shit about but i prefer that over like green book or crash winning i mean the artist is fine for what it is honestly it's a
1: nice little diversion for 90 minutes even though it's like you could have given this to kaiwa boy or anything else yeah you, yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. There were there were so many more worthy movies. My point was that I prefer uh, than giving it to a cute movie rather than a racially condescending one. Don't frame it up like that was my my choice. I gave you. I just said that I was. All I was saying was that
2: it was funny that the cool Oscar year, the artist won be, Best Picture. That you're talking
0: about. <laughs> I oh, mean, not no.
2: like not like I said I would rather have a racist movie than the artist <laughs> win Best Picture. Don't straw man me i'm like the wicker
0: man getting burnt over here (laughs) that's the bees and no 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 i'm saying uh i'm saying that it was it wasn't it was an interesting year at least like a weird french experimental comedy kind of thing uh winning even if like the actual execution is just like a cute little trifle that's that's a cool that's a cool oscar pick at least on paper right yeah and, like, yeah. is, nobody gives a shit about the Descendants anymore either, but, like, that's no, cool.
2: It is. Yeah, it was cool. And I like, uh, what, Nat Faxon, the other guy that won? Like, he's yeah. he pops up and stuff, and he's usually funnier than whatever material in the two-season sitcom he's in. One thing that's interesting, so there is a song in here that I think fundamentally, I would say doesn't work, but, like, it does work in the sense that, I.
0: How did you guys watch a lot of the old Muppet shows? Was Absolutely none. You've never seen any of the Muppet shows? I have now, but not before I would seen this movie. Like, okay, this movie like revitalized my my uh, my love for the Muppets, and then me and my my nieces and nephews ended up watching more of the original show to kind of to get
2: well. And they yeah, and they released the first three seasons on DVD, which I have, and then they had like before that they used to do that thing where it's like, how about we give you two episodes on one DVD and you pay twenty bucks for it?
1: Oh,
0: I have the absolutely... anime model because yeah. I, as we agreed last time, <laughs> the Muppets is anime i had a few of those too. And I they have they never released seasons 4 and 5 I think
2: cuz of, one of them has the Star Wars episode which is should be super easy to release now. <laughs> um, by the way. So hopefully maybe those will come to like Disney Plus or some shit at some point. But um yeah, I was a really big fan. So like the song that like is kind of one that watching it in 2019. It's not like it was my favorite in 2011 either is the CeeLo Green Cluck you. But I think, like, it kind of works for me in a sense of, like, just having enough history with The Muppet Show to, like, that was what they did on the episodes. They would take a pop hit and they would do a parody of it. And part of the joke was that the parody or the sets or the approach was so bad and it would be two minutes. And that was it. There's so many songs on those old Muppet Show episodes that are so, like one-hit wonders or, like, quick things in the moment that, like, I don't know what the real song is that they're parroting. In that way, that is, like, the one song that, yeah, it doesn't work, but it definitely
0: matches the tone of what they would do on The Muppet Show all the time. There's some, yeah, there's some aged jokes in here, but, like, I kind of challenge you to find a comedy that doesn't have a few uh, extremely topical or at- of-the-moment references uh, that ground it in the times like. Airplane is is arguably one of the the greatest like top 3 greatest comedies of all time and just by sheer jokes per second capita that means there's one joke every 8 minutes so you're just like oh this is just like a reference to a movie got it yeah the joke uh, is that the joke is that we all saw Saturday night fever understood got it <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, I would say the last two things I'd say on the music is that even though it is awesome as that Brett McKenzie won the Academy Award, it is weird to me still that Man or Muppet got all the attention when clearly Life's a Happy Song is the best. It's like, it's not even close to me of which one's a better song. Uh, it feels both- like
0: they were shoring up their coalition by making it a Big Bang Theory uh, choice because all the old white Academy voters were like, I like the Big Bang Theory guy. Oh, so they're watching it, and they're like, Bazinga Academy Award. <laughs> they're um, actually not even watching the bit. They see him, they say Bazinga, and then they just start cackling for five minutes. Well, you mentioned, Peter, on the last incarnation. It's also that, I think, um, Life's Heavy
2: song, besides being, like, a really good song, and this really, like, I'm not surprised, like, people use it for, like, their wedding song and stuff like that, but it also ha- still sticks with that, like, play of the Concord's humor, which... There's like there's a line that you point out the last time we recorded this that is all and i I remember saying, as you were saying that, like I know exactly what line you're gonna say, which is that list of all those like couplets of what life is like, and they all are really good, like you know uh life's a piece of cake with you know someone to blank and something to bake, and then it gets to one that doesn't make any sense, and it's the you know. So uh, you can't write with life's a fillet of fish and just that energy of like
0: yes it is
1: it's <laughs> it's great so good
0: it's so good and that's an extremely that's an extremely savvy like flight of the concords move where like the types of humor it reminds me of 30 rock like this is my favorite kind of thing where like somebody who's just a uh, comedians who are also clearly comedy fans and they bounce around in their types of humor to make like this is a straight up like nineteen fifties like Catskills joke like corny joke, and then a really subversive creepy joke, and then uh like a sort of like a, you know, zany mad cat Mel Brooks joke. Like bouncing around between all these styles is like a really great way to keep people on their toes and keep that laughs per minute thing from feeling incredibly exhausting. <laughs> like see uh note, see Anchorman 2. That just keeps hitting the same oh. kind of joke over and over again. And you're just like, "I, it's two and a half hours of this shit. Um,
2: anyways. And then the, the last thing audio, like musically, then there is this thing that is super weird, which it fills in all these scenes with like the, probably the cheapest and most well-known 80 songs that they could get the rights to. Like it's constant. Like it's, When they're in the car, it's here in my car. When they start painting the studio, it's we built this city. And, like, that wasn't a thing the Muppets ever did. And I, like, the Muppets were most known in their heyday in the 70s. Like, the Muppet Show ran from 75 to 80. The Muppet movie came out in 79. Like, that was truly their heyday. So I honestly don't know what's going on. (laughs) Unless it's just, like, 80s music was uh, Jason Segal and nicholas staller's heyday um and that's when they watch the muppet movies and the tv show but it's it's really odd and not i i'm not i don't like it there's not one that works well
1: for me they kind of go so quickly that they don't really have too much of an impact on me but i do agree that they're the weakest it's just
2: odd like i don't even i don't understand why there's like back in black and it doesn't make any sense
0: yeah I, I they're they're connective tissue they're they're uh pacing uh glue they're something to keep the movie moving along like they're they, they're rarely they're rarely even like full-hearted jokes the only one i can think of is gary newman's cars is like supposed to be a full-on joke uh i, I think mostly it's just like well, this is the song I think Aaron, you once said, Yeah, it feels like they bought a set of of standard movie soundtrack songs and they like, well, we, we paid money for this shit. We ordered this off a of time life. Like
2: <laughs> super <laughs> hits of the 80s. And it's just like, well, I don't know. Like we have the rights, guys. Yeah Can you work in we built this city on rock and roll <laughs> into the Muppet movie? I don't know. Maybe they're building a studio?
0: Yeah, um, and Doctor Teeth happens to be there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it feels exactly like that. Right. Like they were like under contractual obligation to like they had uh, you know, the music uh, they have their their uh, music, whatever musician, <laughs> their choreographer. I don't know, music choreographer. Let's say in uh, in the Flight of the Concords guy. And then they also like because of the union rules had to hire a music supervisor and he was like 90 years old and everyone's afraid to fire him because they know (laughs) the day he spends a day at home he's dead. So like yeah hire the music supervisor and the guy just literally pulls up like a sheet of a yellow legal pad and he's like he put this in this scene and this in this scene and uh, yeah I'm going home smoke break. He's like, uh, look, uh, I, I, I'm i really tired. I got to go home, take a nap. Let me tell
2: you. What's this scene about? There's a car in it. Got it. Gary Newman's cars. <laughs> Lock, it <up. laughs> Lock it up. What's this? Oh, is that someone with a hammer and a nail? Yeah, we built this city on rock and roll. We got that one. Uh, oh, there, look, there's a character wearing black. You got? Oh, it's a, it's a pig with like a black dress. Yeah, it's back in black. Not a problem there. All right. Uh, go home. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to take my Metamucil. My diabetes <laughs> medicine.
0: You want me to stay past five Cluck You. I'm out of here. And then someone went. Oh, yeah, it's tough easy. You. you just, you just, you just say what you see. All you gotta
2: do is know a couple songs, and you could do music. Supervise the easiest job I've ever have. <laughs> uh, Peter's turning this guy into Vigo Mortenson from Green Book, and I love it. No one's seen it, Doug Because we all agreed The artist was better
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've all seen the artist Uh, uh, He's like, hey, uh, people uh, People want to fall in love somewhere I don't know, pick, like, any Italian song about falling in love It's Amore, that's it, just a fucking (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's, uh, oh, there's
2: a scene It's outside at night with the moon Uh, yeah, that's Amore Done, (laughs) lock it in Uh (laughs)
0: Oh!
2: Oh, this one has a book in it. Book of Love. Done.
0: <laughs> oh, the scene. Uh, you got a car. Drinks blood. Drives around. Drives on the blood. Uh, Rob zombies. Dracula. Next. Con- next scene. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. This one
2: uh, takes place. Uh, takes place in Brazil. It's a waterfall. Don't go chasing waterfalls. DLC. Done. Shouldn't chase them. <laughs> Say what you see. I'm Glenn, the music supervisor, here for music supervisor training. Here's the thing. No 20 to 30 songs. Tops. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one of them happens to be Dragula. Make sure at least 10% of the songs you know are Dragula. (laughs) Ideally, (laughs) 2 to 3%. But, you know. Uh, once you see that scene with the vampire god What else are you going to put in? <laughs>
0: uh, hey, uh, uh lady, uh, she's got a little uh, skimpy dress, uh, cleavage out, uh, the whole thing. Uh, decolletage, the thing. Uh, maybe put a little bit of Roxanne. Let's move on.
2: Oh, I see, uh, this scene is framed with the person in the center and, uh, they're folding some books. <laughs> That's centerfold. Jake Isle's we- band centerfold. Not a problem. Put it in. <laughs>
1: We would like uh, to welcome uh, our <coughs> listeners to our new podcast, uh, Music Supervisor Jokes. Uh, this goes on for four hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so I hope oh, oh, bit.
2: you're doing a scene with Music Supervisor Jokes? Uh, how about the song <laughs> Music by Madonna? Done.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, this wasn't in the last episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, this, this makes me losing it on the hike All the better Alright, um, I'm sorry, I forgot So let's talk about the thing that everyone hates
2: about this movie
0: uh, There's a scene with a bunch of A bunch of Hispanic Americans Uh, play a, I I don't know, tequila by uh, the, I don't know, guys with the horns Uh, oh Someone's sitting by a flagpole, flagpole sata <laughs>
2: Harvey Danger <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh
2: superman in this movie i literally have a thousand songs to suggest <laughs> superman, we're, we're doing superman's dad our lady peace we're doing five for Fighting. superman it's easy the easiest gig i've ever had I'm uh, out of you want a, you, you want a bit to die you want a bit to move on uh play uh moving
0: right along another Nothing one bumps. bites uh, the dust we got it all right so yeah the thing people don't like about this movie is walter people don't and like walter Hey, you want to make a song about a guy named Walter? Play uh, yeah, "Walter" by the Kinks. As I mentioned our last one, I personally don't mind Walter
1: at all. I don't I mind him either. Totally fine in this movie, but we talked about this last time too. Um, no one, but Doug. No one heard that. That's why we're saying stuff again. <laughs> well, don't go chasing notes. Walter Paul. <laughs> anyway, this idea that just had in my head um, about Walter. <laughs> is he works very well in the context of this story, but then yeah. when you put him in like Muppets Most Wanted. That's where things get a little more shaky, because his personality that's more broadly defined works, again, well, in the context here. But then when he's in another adventure, it's like, well, what purpose do you serve?
2: Yeah, because he's essentially playing the Kermit role, right? Like, except Kermit in this one is, like, old and jaded. He's got the dream. He wants to go, like, make things happen. And I agree with you. Like, I actually don't mind Walter in this movie. I think his arc is good. I think his talent is dumb.
1: (laughs) Like, his talent's so dumb. His talent is the one thing I imagine the screenwriters really just couldn't crack. Like, everything else they were good on, and then that one was like, I just don't, what the hell is he gonna do? Like, (laughs) juggle? I don't know. Oh, you're gonna have
2: some whistling? Whistling while you work. This (laughs) Disney, right? No no one would have been (laughs) fine. Uh, But, uh, yeah, and if you didn't know, that is some professional whistling, because they hired an outside whistler. Uh, 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 the only man known for whistling, uh, Andrew Byrd. They're like, can you can you mimic whistling like you had felt lips? And he went into seclusion for six months, uh, made half an album, and came back. And I think the performance is on screen. I think it speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, so uh, usually in a movie like this, if you want uh, a major dramatic moment during the climax to really land, you should uh, set it up in any way whatsoever. It's just it's a it's a thing people like about <laughs> movies is <laughs> for the climax to not seemingly come out of the fucking nowhere. Does, doesn't doesn't he whistle at some other?
1: Uh, there so there's an early moment in the film where he, when they were doing the we built the city on rock and roll montage where he is shown whistling. Oh, but Is it's drowned only... out by the music supervisors
2: seeing <laughs> Is someone only... with a
0: hammer. <laughs> to part... this fucking Muppet saying, put on uh, something good like uh, We Built the City of Rock and Roll?
1: It's the only time in the movie he whistles prior to the climax, though there was supposed to be I always whistle
0: prior to the climax.
1: <laughs> but there was a scene originally in the film when they first arrive in L.A. where they're in like Hollywood or whatever and they need a taxi and Walter would whistle like, he whistles, and five taxis crash into each other. And then it Jason Segel literally says the line, Wow, that's some impressive whistling, Walter. And that was probably a little on the nose.
2: <laughs> but see, like, that's something that it feels like older Muppets may have been able to do. Like, that seems like a classic Muppet setup where then someone goes, I wonder if this is going to play a part in the movie later. Uh, now Ralph decides. Ralph decided relevant. to say the line halfway through. That was like Bobo or Sweetums. Uh, my only character is the, move, the music supervisor, so I can't really do unless they make a Muppet version of him.
0: Hey Walter, uh, has anyone ever heard that whistling is incredibly fucking annoying?
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has anyone told Andrew Bird that? I think is the bigger question. Hey,
1: Walter, Andrew Bird's even, like grabbing the is throat. It's
0: sort of like public masturbation, only you enjoy it.
1: Boy, I don't want to hear Kermit say masturbation. It was weird enough hearing Pooh say. Oh, sorry. Do you prefer the term jerking
0: off? What about honking (laughs) my baloney?
1: No, no, that's what you do with Miss Piggy. (laughs) Shouldn't be honking his tadpole. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no fuck, yeah. Why would he do that to,
1: to, to
2: little? Well G? I understand I understand what you're thinking You're thinking I meant like a child But I just meant that he calls his penis A tadpole You're right because I always call my cock baby <laughs> Well yeah that's not too weird Have you ever called something uh,
0: A person you've had sex with baby Peter No <laughs> I've never had sex with a baby That's what I call Kermit when I have sex with him <laughs> A tadpole. Oh, tadpole. That's like
2: that's like the frog version of baby.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Douglas Douglas likes referring to Kermit as uh, a short king. <laughs> he's the he's the dom in our relationship. Um, oh wow, he's top. He's top. Yeah. He's surprisingly. Wow. That, I I, I want to know how many puppeteers it would take to pull that off because it was like forty uh, for the bicycle race. <laughs> it, it takes about four, and then there's one guy operating Fozzie who watches. Oh, okay. So, to clarify, you got fucked by a room full of Muppeteers. <laughs>
1: yes. Just like Steve. Uh, God, fuck it. I had a good joke. Never mind. I, I keep going. Well, now hard I kind of want to
2: know what Steve. Take two.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say Steve Whitmire, who played Kermit for three years, but now he's kind of an asshole, allegedly. Uh... Honestly, I thought you were going to say Steve Irwin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? It Steve... didn't, didn't make sense, but that's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> It makes sense. That's where his brain was going. That's where my brain was going. Oh, God. Steve. Uh, Steve Irwin got fucked to death by a stingray. It's fact. <laughs> yeah, do you think? Um, the stinger is the, the penis of the is, ray. His tadpole. It's his tadpole. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, I'll tell you what, you are definitely getting a listening experience that's different than the previous recording. Yeah. <laughs> I think Uh, think this is the
1: most explicit I've ever been on the internet. Uh,
2: I also think part of it is is because when you watched a movie two months ago, you don't have as much immediate things to say about it. So instead, apparently, you talk about music supervisor jobs.
1: Well, what are we going to talk about, like, you know, Muppet sexuality? I've got plenty of it.
2: Uh, Yeah, he is the horn. I think we could agree Gonzo
0: is the horniest Muppet. Uh, yeah, literally? I mean figuratively. I mean, if you haven't sat and stared at at Gonzo sitting next to that chicken that he canonically fucks, and thought they use the nose in the bedroom, I just don't know who you are. Well, and this time he gets more chickens. Mm, he
1: has
2: right? a harem. Like
0: he's he's a harem of chickens. Yeah, he's, he's he has too a, much he has a coop. <laughs> he's he's he, too much Gonzo for one chicken. Well, you you've heard of the expression uh, "blown the coop." I mean, I think I think it's flew the coop. That's pretty good. No, I like blowing
2: the coop. It's good. Yeah, blowing the coop is better, but I think it's flowing.
1: <laughs> Aaron, don't ruin this for me. <laughs> I think it is flowing the coop. God. No, that's why all those people are staring at me when I said, let's blow this coop. And they're like, what?
0: What'd you,
1: what'd you do with the coop?
0: Um, like, uh, we don't have any roosters, though. The coop was your friend, Cooper Johnson. Oh, hey, good <laughs> for neighbor. you, Cooper. <laughs> what about chris <laughs> cooper who plays uh big business tycoon in this film yeah let's talk about how uh fox news <laughs> fucking decided that
2: this movie was propaganda against evil oil barons you know i just like the fox news stands up for the little guy can you imagine like this is when they were really reaching into the bottom of the barrel like in the obama years and stuff like that and like what can we get offended on now they they've really pivoted because they're just like a propaganda outlet to, like, convince people that the news that happened that day didn't happen. But, like, in 2011, they were like, what can we make people pissed off about? And so they were always like, that's, like, the joke about the tan suit controversy and stuff like that. But they literally had, like, a couple segments about how uh, was the the Muppets being used by the radical left to demonize (laughs) the oil industry in the their new movie, and it's just, it's a different world, like, it is so funny that, like, evil oil baron was, like, the e- the easy bad guy in the, um, in, like, fucking Looney Tunes cartoons, like, everyone gets, like, a rich guy takes land, profits money, you know, gets insanely rich for literally doing nothing but, like, just owning the land that it's on, like, is a is easy, non-sympathetic villain. And what Fox News is presupposed if, what if, he's the good guy?
1: Well, that's Fox News for you, though. They really do like the villains who hurt
2: little people. Although, again, now we're six, seven years later and people are like, oh my god, these Wolfenstein games, really anti-Nazi, doesn't seem fair to people. Things didn't get better. (laughs) No. (laughs)
0: Um, so the Deepwater Horizon oil spill happened in 2010, and, uh, Chris Cooper's character was defended by Fox News in 2011. So, like, within a year, yeah. like, like the oil, like, like animals were still dying from the after effects of, uh, Deepwater Horizon oil spill. And, uh, they were like those poor oil men. <laughs> This poor oil company, not even, not even sympathy for the, the, the fucking oil, uh, oil rig workers, sympathy for the people that own the oil rig and cut safety checks and such. Yeah, well, they had to
2: play that fun game where it was like, yeah, Deepwater Horizon was bad. People didn't like it. So they had to like not blame the oil company, but it was somehow like Obama's fault and not the oil company for not doing something, not giving
0: them like enough tax
2: breaks to pay for repairs or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's uh, none of it fucking makes sense unless you realize that these these outlets are just pure, uh, rich people propaganda micro- megaphones. Like, there's no yeah. there's no other purpose for them. Well, it's like I, I love that quote that someone I, there's was
1: that guy that made Tucker Carlson like have a meltdown, who said like you're a millionaire who's a mouthpiece for billionaires. That's like the best definition oh, of Fox News. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, that guy rules. Yeah, that um, guy was great. On to things that make me feel good. This movie.
1: Yeah. And um,
2: the, oh, yeah, The Muppet. So the so we talked about how Walter didn't really earn his climax with, like, hey, whistle like the wind. But the ending of this movie feels like Jason Segal and Nicholas Stoller are out for your blood. Because in the form of tears. They want you to bleed crying. Because they do, like, three things in a row that are so, like, good. So first they do... The Rainbow Connection, which we talked about last week, a song that makes, uh, I've said it's my favorite song of all time, Uh, it makes Peter weep. Um, The version in the Muppet movie doesn't really make me weep. The version in this movie does, Uh, even though, like, favorite song, I would prefer the other one. But the way that it just keeps building with everyone coming together, more instruments going, at a time when, like, it feels like they need to, like, regain their magic most. Some fucking brutal shit. Then they come out of the theater, and they feel like they've lost. A very funny joke. Where they weren't even close. And they go out to see, like, the streets filled uh, with people cheering them on. And then the waterworks come back. And then it ends with a version, uh, a, re- a reprise of Life's a Happy Song that instead of being like goofy and silly about love is like somehow hits a level of sincerity that is very tough to do. And there's a part where Kermit like uh, you know, s- turns to the camera and is like, Life's a Happy Song I get to spend with you and, you and you and you and you and well, all of you. And it's like it is amazing how, how like, this this movie's, like, sallow for making you cry. Like, it's just brutal thing after brutal thing for the last ten minutes of... Uh, yeah, we're going to pull all the heartstrings. It's going to work fantastically. It's not going to feel like we're taking away from the comedy. And every single one is going to make you more and more welled up.
0: It is weird because while the Muppet show itself feels incredibly, like, heart... like. Uh, chalked together and like held together with like rubber bands and glue um well like yeah because
2: they built the city with rock and roll that's not a good adhesive
0: yeah there's no foundation on rock and roll I, I would hate if their their building inspector happens to be punk rock because <laughs> uh, they just don't adhere to any any respected rules uh, of uh, federal regulation and uh I, I just think that like the the, 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 the the film itself like is so deliberate in how it lays out its foundation and how it walks us through step by step walter is the only thing i think is sort of on on shaky ground that really matters the actual film itself is like so concerted and it's so it works so hard whereas like i think the actual muppet production what's interesting is the actual muppet production is like if one thing goes wrong we're fucked <laughs> Like the whole thing, the stage is going to fall over and kill the whole audience if one thing goes wrong. Um, yeah. So it, a- it adds the excitement of the movie, yes, but also like it's an interesting thing where like the movie doesn't feel improvised at all. The movie feels like it was like it's on firm, firm ground. Well, it feels confident enough that it's going to have you that it
2: takes like the most obvious victory lap ever, which is ending with Phenomena, which. Like, in the moment, if you told me the new Muppet movie ends with the Rainbow Connection and Monomena, I probably would have said, oh, okay." like that feels like it's a retread. I don't know how that would be interesting. Instead, they're so masterful at building everything to that. I cry every time with the Rainbow Connection. And by the time they do Menomena, I want to like stand up and cheer like, yes, we're doing it. <laughs> like, it's amazing how well something that could have been cynical, that could have felt unearned, that could have felt like cashing in um, some of their best known stuff feels the opposite of that. It feels incredibly earned. It feels incredibly cathartic. Um, it really is just like knowing exactly how to make all the jokes and build the characters and still end with, you know, like we talked about last week, like the, the, uh, the, what is it? The money, the money store. No, the dream factory. What's the song at the end of it's the, the dream m- factory? It It feels like that same energy of like, Hey, we've had a lot of fun. We're going to try to make you feel like inspired by the world. And they pull it off in the Muppet movie, and in a kind of a different way, they pulled off that
0: same feeling here. Yeah, you're right. It does <clears throat> it does feel like the last thirty minutes, or uh, such as the last not even thirty minutes, last yeah, ten fifteen it feels like all right. If you've taken this journey with us, if you're still with us, here's your reward for giving us um, your patience, your time, your willingness to like let us start all over with you again. And when they finally play Rainbow Connection, when I was in the theater, I started like weeping, like crying openly. And I saw like other older folks crying as well and younger folks, too, like kids. Um, but like it, it had such a potent effect on me. And if the movie itself had not thoroughly set up that foundation for success, then it, it, that scene would have felt so cynical. It would have made me so angry um or what it just made me like feel absolutely nothing like it, it's 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 what these reboot quills very often what happens is um this happened with the robocop remake too um, oh remember that existed you get to the you get to the, the last act of it and then all of a sudden it starts referencing like the best moments from the original robocop and my reaction is like fuck you even earned any of this <laughs> yeah and i think just part of that is because like like we walter we
2: we talked about it a little but like at the end of the day like walter is the stand-in for jason Segal. like you see interviews with him you, t- you hear about this movie being made like that was him he when as a kid he wanted to be a muppet it's why the Muppets show up in um forgetting sarah marshall like he is obsessed with muppets he wanted to be on the muppet show he wanted to be a muppet so and that way like even though Jason Seagal is not playing that character in this movie, like, Walter is. Walter, at the end of this movie, gets to achieve his dream. And in the same way that, like, the the meta component of this movie is is hits that note as well. Like, Jason Seagal gets to achieve his dream of making a Muppet movie. On par with the original movie, or, or number two to it, in terms of, like, Muppet movies that don't, uh, incorporate writing by say I don't know Charles Dickens so it really is Like it, it's it's great To both see like the character of Walter Hit that point while recognizing Like that level of joy Isn't cynical Like the person who made this Movie feels that Joy and that's yeah. what Jason Seagal Is so good at right like the reason We like Jason Seagal is because He feels like someone uh, Wears his like emotional dreams and everything else on his leaves. Like he does it could all be an act. I don't know Jason Segel personally, but he he feels completely sincere and uncynical in a way that like doesn't match the rest of the kind of freaks and geeks Apatow alumni that like he came up with. And a lot of those people are really good, don't get me wrong, but his like form of comedy, like that's freaks and geeks. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but like mm-hmm his whole character is i am so sincere and in love with this person there's that that masterful scene where he keeps playing the drums to rush because he just loves rush so much and he loves this girl so much and like it is so painful and so bad but he is just so into it he doesn't notice because he just is everything he's giving you is everything he loves and that is such a that's such a There's like not that many truly funny comedy people that that have that as they're like, this is my thing. I am just sincere to the point that it's it's sad and funny.
0: It's true. And it's sort of I mean, that's something that's that's become more it's become more common in comedy in the past, like two, three years, I think, especially on like Twitter and such. Yeah, yeah, this, like, earnest core thing. But, like, that's why I've always liked Jason Segel is because, like, I saw him in, in... I saw myself in him, someone who was yeah. like, well, I mean, this is, like, a little uncomfortable. I'm sorry, but, like, I don't really know any other way to be. And, like, being ironically attached yeah. to everything is, like, a straight line to me being depressed. <laughs> so uh, if I don't express myself now, it's pretty gross. Jason's really cool to me. And I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase this that it doesn't sound like a joke because I actually do
1: respect this. Even the fact that he hasn't done a lot in the four years since the end of the tour, I genuinely admire instead of like cashing in to just do like a dumb, you know, mainstream comedy every other year. He's just like, you know what? I'll work when I want. And other every, the rest of the time, I'm just going to live out in a cabin. I'm going to just do it. Because that's what I like about him. He, he doesn't just churn things out. He's really passionate about the material he works with, whether it's the Muppets, Sarah
0: Marshall, uh, yeah. the end of
1: the tour. He has a real
0: passion for stuff.
1: Sex tape exempted
0: yeah I mean i I imagine that how I met your mother money was uh enough that he uh he's gonna be comfortable for a bit but anyways yeah that's another thing I love about this movie the Muppets is uh that it's 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 like short gets in gets out it keeps the pace up it uses a few little tricks to keep that pace moving like the the bad uh, song choices we talked touched on earlier but uh that's that's one thing I really love about it is that by the time the end arrives like you're not so exhausted that like you don't have any room left for you know tears and release. So, yeah, I mean, is we kind of move? Do you want to move to towards final thoughts? Um, so, yeah, at final thoughts. Uh, I've already set, kind of spoken with how like light and and fun this movie is, and then the way it, it really rewards rewards you for sticking with it and until the end, and really. Um, it puts the legwork in, but, like, let's just talk about it as, like, a really solid comedy that's worth rewatching. It's one of those movies that, like, I could watch as, like, an annual thing and, like, be totally happy every single time. I related it to 30 Rock earlier, which is interesting because we were just talking about Tina Fey. The, the, there's a lot of jokes in this movie that come out of nowhere because uh, it, comes, it has a very uh, diverse comedic diet. And, like, there's the joke where Gonzo gets, you know, dragged into the group and uh he's and he's like first he's like no i've got this plumbing business i'm not doing that and then with they just start walking away they're like all right yeah i guess that did, that didn't work uh, and then they're in the parking lot and then gonzo just uh fuck it it's like yeah well obviously i'm coming with uh, this is terrible I'm, I'm living this corporate lifestyle and he just and he hits a big button that's a self-destruct the factory button <laughs> and the the uh, and he's like, everybody run! And everybody is running away from his factory. And the, sh- the, the unnecessariness of that, combined with the sheer sense of manic energy, it just makes this movie so charming. And, like, it, it, it feels like someone adapted uh, their, their wild, crazy, you know, out-of-the-box out Muppet jokes to a modern sensibility. Um, and as, as pat as that is to say... But the the real moment in this movie that I think uh, encapsulates what this is, is they had a completely sincere, awesome opening song, dance number. And uh, when it's over and uh, all of our leads leave town, after the whole town has jumped into this sing-along with them, they, they drive off into the distance and the whole town goes, they're gone, and they collapse in exhaustion. <laughs> Um, and that sort of joke that doesn't really like make sense on any literal level but like is just is funny and comes out of nowhere and slaps you in the face is like I think that's the movie in the nutshell the movie lets you know what it is almost immediately and because of that uh, I think it's it's really fair to I think it's really fair to give this movie uh, credit as a great comedy not just as you know fucking like oh they, they, uh, they rebooted the franchise thank god Disney can make more money now now that you're saying that, when you think about
2: it, it kind of implies that Walter, or Jason Seagal, is like the kid from the Twilight Zone who sends people out to the cornfield.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, oh, if they're singing, everyone's gotta dance! <laughs> uh,
0: oh, anyway. yeah, there's, there has some, somebody has some sort of deep, dark power in this scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, they have to, because they seem very relieved when they leave town.
2: Uh, Doug! What are your final thoughts on the Muppets?
1: Any film that includes a scene where people debate the legality of kidnapping people and then use the line to the line, a celebrity is not a people to defend themselves. That gets a pass from me. The Muppets is awesome. And I just love how it not only works as an encapsulation of all the things I love about Muppets, but it's just good
2: cinema. This is just. Yeah, and Jack Black's great in that role. We didn't get a chance to talk about him this time. I know we did last time. Sorry. Jack Black. He and,
0: uh, him and Emily Blunt both uh, send up their, their characters really well in this. Um, and Jack Black plays, like, that was
2: such a common like Muppet Show host trope, like the guy who doesn't want to be here.
0: Well, yeah, because well. it's a fun way to do it because, like, we're all used to – which I, it's, it's ironically, like, uh, it's a more adult way to handle the, that kind of, uh, you know, guest than SNL, which would – SNL, which would have like these guests that click like Steven Seagal famously, like clearly didn't want to be there. But like their agent, I guess, talked them into it, like almost the way that you talk them into, you know, talk show appearances. <laughs> but instead, the Muppets would be like, oh, no, no, we're going to have guests on that, like, don't want to be here. Don't want to be here because because our of. show
2: is such a piece of shit that we put yeah. together.
0: And I'm not actually saying those are one to one, you know, like uh, I'm sure plenty of the people oh, that yeah. played the gag like uh, I don't want to be here. Definitely wanted to be there. And some of the people that faked it probably also didn't want to be there. But um the, just the idea of, of sending that up is very funny to me. So one of the other common host tropes if you watch a lot of the
2: Muppet Show is like the person who wants to fuck Kermit. So do you think how many what percentage do you think like wanted to fuck Kermit or just was
0: like that they understood the bit? Oh <laughs> well everyone wants to fuck Kermit. I mean well, it's just about I mean, whether or not you lie about it. I have <laughs> Been. we've already made this clear i have been. you've oh, been yeah. fucked by I kermit to... but that's different than fucking kermit well douglas you can still want something you've already had i've had pizza a million times that's true and kermit's tadpole is like pizza
2: <laughs> i'm glad we're using tadpole thank you all for for our new common everyone gets it way to talk about a frog's penis um <laughs> that'll come in handy it, it will um yeah, so my final thoughts are like it definitely feels a little less ramshackle than like the Muppet movie or some of the or even the Great Muppet Caper. But it's that thing that you don't always see that often. We see so many people who like take their love of the Simpsons and become a writer on the Simpsons and help make new, very bad Simpsons episodes. On and on and on. Like pop culture just kind of stays around nowadays and um i think some of that's fine like these are iconic characters they're going to keep making incarnations of them but it's rare that like you get a someone to to basically make a version without any involvement of any of the original creators even frank oz famously was like he doesn't get the muppets which actually means i think frank oz doesn't get the muppets anymore because jason seagal and nicholas Staller got the muppets like they made something that felt like t- if Jim Henson was around in 2011, like this would be their version of the movie. It's fun from the fact that we get another really good Muppet movie that, you know, stands tall with some of the favorite, their favorite things they grew up with and something that like kids will see and compare and probably like more than the originals. I know my daughter's favorite Muppet movie is Muppets Most Wanted. Like it, she likes the goofy other Kermit and stuff like that. And, like I'm glad we got these these new incarnations but also there is just a part of it that makes me feel like warm and fuzzy that like like the people who set out to like do this thing because they loved it so much like did the thing like they made something uh that was that that lives up to the spirit and the ethos of the muppets in a way that like I think that like Ryan Johnson did with like the last Jedi which is like taking some of those ideas and then truly making a sequel to like the six movies that came before in a way that like reckoned with it, but also added so much new. Like what, what I'm saying is that this, this is the last Jedi of Muppet movies. And just like that one, conservative assholes didn't like either. Uh, <gasps> oh my so, god, It's all connections. Anyways, Doug, thank you so much for joining us once again. Always uh, happy to. I can't think of anyone else that I was happy to talk about this movie twice with. And honestly, like, 70% new material. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised how uh, so much <laughs> new jokes and everything we got. It comes from, because before, we had seen the movie recently, and now we're trying to remember it. Doug, uh,
1: what do you have to promote? Uh, all I got is just look around for me on the uh, old internet writing. I'm writing a little bit everywhere. My own website, Land of the Nerds. Spool um check that out i think um this should be airing in mid-november so by then i have a new uh scarlet team piece up by then so check that out awesome and yeah he'll send us the links and you can find them all in the show notes
2: land of the nerds one of my favorite places to go for internet uh writing i just i just read a deep dive that you did on something and i feel bad saying i don't remember what it was
1: oh terminator
2: there we go. It was like, yeah, I like that Yeah, The Road to Dark Fate. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, I really loved reading it. Thank uh, you. I so learned some new stuff, too. So um, oh, I things- love all that stuff over there. Please go check it out. Peter, we're going to be talking about two more Muppet movies for the first time. First one next week with a little, little bit of a divergence from just doing Muppet movies. Uh, we're doing a movie that features Muppets, features Kermit the Frog, but isn't like canonically part of the muppet movie universe and that is uh the first movie i ever saw and the first movie i ever saw in theaters and the first vhs i ever owned a little movie called sesame street presents follow that bird and that's with guest returning champion joey lee yeah that's gonna
0: be that's gonna be a blast this is also one that i haven't seen since i was like actually like a child child like uh, younger than six
2: uh no, I've actually seen it a lot recently cuz I um I have kids. Um and uh they love it and I, I I sing the songs in here more than probably uh any songs from any movie. So I'm excited to watch it probably for the 50th time in the last couple of years, but uh it's it's it actually holds up remarkably well. So I hope that's the case with your experience rewatching it, Peter. Uh but it's going to be a really fun episode and then we're wrapping up the month right where we began. With uh, Ethan Warren, who is joining us to talk about uh, one of the big when we did like Mupp- uh Christmas classics last year, this was the one that most people said, "Why didn't you do the Muppet Christmas Carol?" And it's because this is true. We had already had all the way through November planned <laughs> last December, and knowing that this year would lead to our uh, we do it uh, for the Thanksgiving episode or the last week episode, and that would lead to our. A truly insane Christmas uh, December month that we're doing that we just finalized today. But you're going to have to wait to hear what that is for a couple more weeks. Peter, Doug, why are there so many podcasts about the Muppets? Uh, Is it because we lost a track? (laughs) I don't know. You should ask your tadpole about that. You want me to ask my penis about... Why there's so many tracks? I was trying to do a rainbow connection, not salty Doug. I'm very why sorry.
0: Why are there on. so many tadpoles?
1: Wait a minute. Hands? You know, you know why we lo- There's so many podcasts uh, because we recorded this twice. We lost it on the hike, Aaron. We opened with this. Oh my god,
2: Doug. I don't. I don't know how to tell you this, but <laughs> you you didn't accidentally drop it. You remember how I had pulled out that crossbow? <gasps> oh, that's right. You were I like, shot it. Look- a- I shot it out of the air. And then I told you when you said, did a crossbow arrow just hit <laughs> the recording of my Muppets? I said, no, I didn't fire my crossbow. And uh, because you trust me implicitly. I did. And I was just like, in. I
1: thought you just had that crossbow because you were like exercising with it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the many uses for my crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things is to shoot things out of midair. Crossbow
1: I- crossbow? <laughs>
2: I, I, can't, I can't resist, even when I need the thing that I shot with the crossbow. So I apologize to everyone listening. Uh, the only thing I can do to, for penance is to shoot my microphone with a crossbow. <laughs> all right.
1: Is that how we're ending this? We're all going to shoot our microphones with the crossbows. Well, do you have a crossbow? I do. <laughs> Good night. Good <laughs> night. Good night. Why are uh, there such great deals? On our hotel rooms
0: And continental breakfast Is free And free HBO in every room And free gas If you check in afternoon Free parking for cars Not RVs Not RVs. Our wedding chapel is 24 no marriage certificate is needed. No marriage certificate is needed. We're glad you found it, A Chulo Casino. The owners, the Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch.
1: Mmm. <laughs> Mwah. <laughs> <laughs>